Good morning, church. Today's passage is from the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verses 20 through 21. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's in page 541. Again, in the Pew Bible, it's in page 541. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. This is the word of God. Well, good morning. We have been going through as a church body, looking at wisdom over the past week. We're going to continue through that through the summer. Now, I know in a simple, easy, clear mapped out life, we might not see the need to grow or gain additional wisdom. But the reality is, we don't have a simple life. Life is not easy. And the best laid plans are derailed in a moment. In the midst of struggles and suffering, we are encouraged to continue to rely on God's strength, His comfort, His peace, and yes, His wisdom. God is sovereign, meaning He's in control. He's all-knowing, and he is all-wise, but we are not. Our sermon series is Relational Wisdom, growing in wisdom as we relate to one another, spending time together. You're going to share your words, and so we need to grow in wisdom on how to do that, both within our community here as a church, but also out of this place and other places. May we learn how to use wisdom with our speech, with our written word, and yes, with our typed word as well. All of those matter. And so Pastor Mark gave us a definition for wisdom last week, so let's review it. The definition was, wisdom is an understanding of reality which gives us competence in the complexities of life. Our reality is that life is complex, hard, and designed to rely completely on God. To live in this reality apart from God would be a huge error in judgment and extremely unwise. For those who have put their trust in the saving work of Jesus Christ, God offers you wisdom and his Holy Spirit to grow you and guide you through life. And God also gives us, as we've sang about, his word, the Bible, his words to us, to guide us and help us. In the Bible, there are books dedicated to wisdom sayings, and one of those books is the book of Proverbs. Now, it's important to realize the sayings found in the book of Proverbs are not promises, but principles. For example, Proverbs 22.6 says this, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This does not mean that a parent who disciples their ch child in just the right way will raise a child who will be guaranteed to be a believer and follow Christ their whole life. We might desire that, but that's not what it's saying. The principle is children who are discipled by their parents will in general learn to trust God and follow God because their parents are being an active light and a reflection of God in their life. It is not a guarantee since each person has a choice to choose to trust in God or not. They cannot be manipulated to salvation. So as we look at the book of Proverbs, do not be discouraged by the principles. 
but encouraged by the wisdom God provides for us to grow and learn. And one of our greatest challenges in life is how we use our words, whether it's written or spoken, as we relate to one another. And so today, we're going to look at this idea of, there it goes, wisdom with our words. And so we're looking at these three lessons I'm going to have today to seek to grow in our, how we have wisdom with our words. So may we learn that first, one, our words are powerful. Two, our words matter. And three, our words can be redeemed by Christ and the Holy Spirit. So let's look at first lesson one. Our words are indeed powerful. Now you heard Denali read the passage, Proverbs 18, 20 to 21. In verse 21, it says this very powerful phrase, death and life are in the power of the tongue, which are the power of our words. Our ability to speak reminds us that we are made in the image of God. Think back to the Genesis chapter 1. How does God create things? Does he get down on the ground and start building things with his hands, and designing things and making them over a course of hundreds and thousands of years? No. What does he do? He simply speaks, doesn't he? Genesis 1, 3, and says, And God said, let there be lights, and there was lights. He simply spoke, and by his power of his words, light came into existence. In verses 26 and 27, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, out of our likeness. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God speaks human beings into existence, doesn't he? He has that ability because he is powerful, and his words carry power. God has given us an amazing gift of life and the ability to speak. God has also given us his word, the Bible, which is powerful, is it not? God's words are powerful and have the ability to, as we sang, give life. In Isaiah 55, God declares that his word will not return void. In the book of Romans, it tells us the law found the Old Testament, found in the Old Testament is good and reveals all humankind deserves death to be forever separated from God. And also his word tells us about the hope we have in Christ and the power of God for life. His word reveals that to us. And in our faith in what God has said brings salvation and life. God's words are powerful. And we need to realize as his image bears that we are given this power as well as far as he calls our words powerful as well. This is why Proverbs 18, 21, God reminds us that our words can bring life or death. And because of our struggle with sin, we need to be reminded of the dangers of misusing our words. Do you notice how this warning is drastically different than the silly saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? How inaccurate that could possibly be. Words do matter, words do hurt, and words do change direction in life. Words are powerful, and God's word helps us to see that our words can bring life, and they can bring death. In James chapter 3, God gives us a very clear warning 
of our words. It says, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. Words, as often as we use them, you know, some research has shown we use over 700 words a day, some of us way more than that, maybe some of us a little less. But the reality is, our words have such power and they matter. You hear the phrase there, it sets on fire the entire course of life. Our words are powerful, which is why there are so many warnings throughout the entire Bible calling us to take our words seriously. Our words have power, and the words we speak and write matter. So lesson two, our words matter. Our words matter to us and to those that we speak to, whether spoken once again or written. Let's first look at Proverbs 18.20. It says this, From the fruit of a man's mouth his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. So let's break down this proverb so we can understand what God is saying to us. First, he says, man's mouth and his lips, those are used to represent the words that proceed out of our mouths. And the words that we speak have a result. There's consequences, good and bad. Here it's called fruits. Like a tree which produces fruit, the words we speak will return some kind of fruit. This particular proverb is in view of a positive, life-giving fruit that brings a good result. The satisfied state in both portions of the verse reflect a result that is good and bring blessing to the entire being. Words can bring satisfaction to the individuals who are speaking them. The Bible lists many blessings, but also warnings that can come from speaking words of life for the glory of God, but also misusing our words. Earlier in this chapter, Proverbs 18, verses 6 and 7, provide two warnings. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. That makes sense, right? That's pretty wise. You go into a room, and you start provoking somebody. I know as a younger brother, I did that a lot. And what was the result? Usually some kind of beyond verbal interaction. <laughs> between me and them. And me being smaller, that interaction was usually geared towards me. And you would say, yeah, you brought that on, you were foolish. Agreed. And verse seven, a fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. Hear the depth of that, the power of that. Verse 13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. You ever hear that before? 
listen, think about it, and then respond. Or even listen, think about it, and maybe not say anything, right? Wisdom exists in there and not responding all the time, isn't it? But a fool doesn't listen, doesn't think. I have what I want to say and I'm going to say it. And of course it leads to negative consequences. Proverbs 20, 22. If one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out into utter darkness, cast out. Proverbs 15, 4. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. Sounds familiar, right? A gentle tongue is a tree of life. It's similar to a gentle answer turns away wrath. Is the best way to address someone who's angry by getting angry with them? No. Wisdom says, no, be gentle. You can diffuse the situation by God's grace. Going back to the book of James, chapter 3, we heard the warning from verses 2 to 6, but that book started with something very sobering. James chapter 3, verse 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that you, we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Why would a teacher be judged with greater strictness if words didn't make a difference? It's because their words do matter. The words I'm speaking even now, I've been praying about earnestly. People are like, are you confident you're going to be good up there? I'm nervous. Why am I nervous? Because my words matter. And I'm speaking about words mattering and I'm using them. <laughs> How hard is that? But it's true. Our words do matter. And so he's saying there, those who teach, you're guiding people. You're teaching them what you say is real and true. And then they believe you and then they follow that. If your words are misused or unprepared, what happens? It could lead someone astray. It's not only damaging to you, but it's damaging to them. Our words deeply matter. And James warns against that strictly. But then there's a positive, 1 Timothy 5, 17. Let the elders who rule be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So we are teaching and preaching in the glory of God for his honor, pointing you correctly, using our words wisely. It can be a blessing, not just to us, but to you. Because then you're growing in your faith as well. You're growing in wisdom and in true teaching, not in false teaching. So it is a blessing and should be honored. Our words have a serious impact on our being and on others. I've seen friendships lost and destroyed due to words spoken. Trust in marriages shattered due to lies told. Churches divided over divisive words spoken by just a few. Have you ever been impacted negatively by unkind words? Their words, even though you might tell yourself their opinion doesn't matter, still cuts to the heart and brings you down. Hurtful words have derailed ministries, crushed spirits, led to despair, and even suicide. Many people, even children, have felt so unloved and destroyed by unkind words that they choose death over the suffering of another harsh word. Words hurt greatly. Let us not forget, in the midst of so many bad examples, though, of misused words, that words can bring life. I've heard numerous stories of adults who are so thankful that God put a person in their life who encouraged them in their youth. 
The teacher who took the time to know them and comfort them when they were struggling as a teenager. The youth leader who prayed with them and checked on them weekly, providing encouragement and just reminders that they are loved by God and them. The parents who stood by them and provided loving, a loving home where encouragement was regularly heard, providing a haven in the midst of a schooling situation that might have felt unbearable and crushing. As you speak or write words, may they be for the glory of God, brought under obedience to his calling for you. These words, the Bible says, will result in a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment as you live the way God designed you and is leading you. Our words impact our own lives greatly, but they also impact others' lives in immeasurable ways. Going back to Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Like God, we use words to tr create trust, build relationships, and unify communities. But unlike God, we also use words to destroy trust, to break relationships and divide communities. Paul Tripp said it this way, you have never spoken a neutral word in your life. Your words have direction to them. Your words are moving in the life direction. So if your words are moving in the life direction, you or they will be words of encouragement, hope, love, peace, unity, instruction, wisdom, and correction. But if your words are moving in the death direction, there'll be words of anger, malice, slander, jealousy, gossip, division, contempt, racism, violence, judgment, and condemnation. Do you hear the power of words and the impact? We've all been impacted by other people's words. And in some cases, it's shaped our life for better or worse. There are times when we may feel like we've been very encouraging. And we hear that this example here, he says, you know, speak words of life, not death. And we're like, yeah, that's my desire. I want to speak words of life. I aim for that. I want to encourage people. But all our words are not perfect and good. Going back to the book of James, it makes it clear, doesn't it? Verses 7 and 8. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Have you ever withheld truth and pretend to agree with someone to avoid conflict? Have you ever made, has, I'm sorry, has someone ever made you upset or angry and resulted in you slinging insults back at them? Have you ever been frustrated with someone to the point where you call them a fool or worthless? These are words that do not build up but destroy. Instead of providing life-giving words of encouragement, we find ourselves dealing death blows to one another without processing the consequences or submitting to God's will for our words. Arguments quickly grow from a small fire situation to a blazing inferno that have left the relationship in utter ruins. In light of this, Jesus clearly provides a very sobering warning in the book of Matthew. Jesus made this statement. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, 
will be liable to the hell of fire. The initial use of the generic word here, this insult, is that we are liable or guilty of insulting someone's mind. Maybe you call someone mindless or brainless or dumb. Jesus says that is a serious insult against them and worthy to be addressed by the council, or in today's words, we would probably say by the elders of the church. It's a serious offense, obviously. The use of the word fool is in essence calling a person worthless, the whole being. Good for nothing, having no value, wish you were dead. Such insults are extremely harsh, and the Greek literally reads, deserving the Gehenna of fire, which was a smoldering rubbish heap in the valley outside Jerusalem. This was a vivid illustration to them of God's fiery judgment in hell. So do you think Jesus believes our words are powerful and that they matter? Absolutely. Because he knows the impact words have. Because he blessed us with the ability to speak. The weight of our words can feel very heavy and lead us to be fearful of saying anything or writing anything for fear of the consequences. But is this a solution just to refrain all the time? In light of the fact that this is a gift from God, the ability to speak, to be used for his honor and glory. Matthew 28, 19 to 20, God calls us to go and make disciples through teaching. Rich requires words. Romans 10, God calls us to go and share the gospel to people and hear, so they can hear the good news. It says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Once again, that requires words. Throughout the New Testament, we are called to encourage one another, exhort one another, pray for one another, and a whole host of other one another's that requires building relationships, getting involved in community, and yes, using words. So how can we have wisdom to speak and to write that brings life and not death? How can we grow in this wisdom? Well, that's lesson three. Our words can be redeemed by Christ and the Holy Spirit. I agree, apart from Jesus, yes, we will struggle and fail at using our words to bring glory to God. Remember who we are apart from Jesus. We're slaves of sin. We are guilty. Even our best efforts is seen as filthy rags before God because it's covered in selfishness and self-desire. We are slaves of sin and needed to be free, which is why Jesus had to come to earth, live the life we can never live. He was indeed perfect and die on the cross in our place. He was our substitute. He took all the sin we've ever done or will do and gave us his righteousness. He died on the cross, was buried, rose again the third day, proving victory over sin, victory over death, freeing us from the slavery of sin, allowing us to be part of his family, but also giving us a new life. We are new creations, not just cleaned up ones. So in Jesus, we are a new creation created in Christ Jesus for good works. In Jesus, we will begin to bear good fruit. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to pursue righteousness and bear good fruit as God's Spirit works in us. He's producing this fruit, it's changing our desires, and it's growing us.
and allowing us to be able to grow in this ability to speak life and be agents of life instead of agents of death. Going back once again to James chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. It says, From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Understand here, he is talking to Christians. He's saying, from our mouths, we speak words of life and encouragement. But also, from our mouth, we speak words of death and insults. He says, brothers, sisters, this should not be happening. It ought not to be so because you are new in Christ. Then he gives an example. He says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. All these things, it's like, obviously, no, that can't happen. You can't have an apple tree produce oranges. It would never happen. The same thing for a Christian. We should not be producing these negative, death-leading words. Our words should be pouring from our hearts, which is being changed by God, to bring life. If in Jesus we abide in him and will grow in bearing good fruits, our words by the power of the Spirit will change because God has changed us and is changing us continually here on earth through his Spirit so that our desires are changing and aligning with him. That is the beauty of what God is doing in us. For those who have trusted in the saving work of Jesus, you are a child of God, and he has set you free from the slavery of sin. You no longer have to defend yourself, seek to find value for yourself, or to tear others down in order to build up your own glory. You can be used by God to fulfill his mission of bringing the good news of Jesus to the world through your words and your actions. Words can be used to encourage and point them to Christ instead of to yourself. Because of Jesus, the world will get to see and hear you as a light reflecting God's glory, which God's word said will draw them to him. Jesus redeemed not just our eternity, but our whole being for his glory. May we live as we were designed to be agents of life, not of death. It is hard, it is challenging what God calls us to do. You'll walk out of here. You may be in driving somewhere and then it just pops in your mind these words that are not encouraging. Maybe when someone cuts you off or something happens, it's a growing process. I want to encourage you with that. If it pops in your mind, remind yourself, God, help me with this. Help me to respond in love. Help me to do what is right. When you're spending time with your spouse, shutting down and saying nothing is not the same thing as speaking words of life. It's still hurtful, it's still painful, it's not helping. May you be loving. Identify where your hurt and struggle is, but also recognize they're hurting too. And being able to hear them and listen to them, being slow to speak. God's word provides wisdom for so much. May we read it, may we study it, may we meditate on it. I could spend hours going through all the wisdom in scripture and we wouldn't even begin to start. But may we trust that God is doing a work in you and he wants to grow you in wisdom with your words. And that is a blessing from God 
And it's a process. As Pastor Mark talked about last week, it's a journey. You don't just open a door and boom, you have it all. No. It's a joy to say we're beginning this together, we're growing in this together, and we're going to keep doing it. May we not hide from community. May we be a part of it. God designed us to be a part of community. And so when people say things that are hurtful to you, don't run away. Have a heartfelt conversation with them. That will restore. Fleeing does not restore a relationship. It lets it go. And that's not for the glory of God. May we have wisdom with our words. Our words are powerful. May you realize that every word that proceeds out of your mouth matter to God and it should matter to you. And our words can be redeemed by Christ and the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you a question. Is it okay to tell a little white lie? Is it okay to justify our words as needing to blow off a little steam? Is it okay to say something hurtful and then say, I was just joking? It was very common for me growing up. We would joke back and forth with my siblings or other people. You'd say, oh, it's just being funny. We're just joking around. No, but was it? May every word that proceeds out of our mouth be for the glory of God. Whatever excuse we devise for our death-blowing words, may we realize it is not God's will for our lives. It ought not to be so. Whether your words are spoken, written down, or typed anywhere throughout the internet, they matter to God and they should matter to you. May we be agents of life, understanding the freedom that we have in Christ and the power we have because of God's Spirit is actively working in us to sanctify us and grow us in His wisdom for His glory. The greatest words I believe we could ever utter is our affirmation of faith, our complete trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. If you're here today and you cannot affirm your faith in Jesus, I would encourage you, if you have questions, to come speak to one of the pastors. We would love to share with you the life-giving message that God provides for our true hope and saving hope that is in his son Jesus alone. And may we all grow in wisdom with our words. For God's glory and for our greatest good, it will satisfy your entire being. Trust God's word. Trust he is true. Trust his promises. It is good for you. It is great for the soul to be able to speak words of life and not death. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for just who you are. You are our God who loves us, sustains us, is so patient with us, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. God, may we realize that we are forgiven by you. The price your son paid on the cross frees us from sin, frees us from the responsibility to have to perform in order to receive your love. You give it freely and graciously. But God, because we are loved, because we are forgiven, may we desire you and may we desire to bring you glory and honor, which means being mindful of our words. Every word spoken matters. Every word written matters. Every word typed matters. It matters to you. May it matter to us. God, help us, I pray. Open our hearts, understand the importance of our words. May we, who are followers of you, be agents of life. 
going out and sharing words of encouragement, of wisdom, of truth, out of love. Help us to watch our words and be mindful when we do fail to speak kindly or lovingly. May we go back and seek to restore and seek to seek forgiveness and be honest where we fall short. God, we will fall short every, every day. But by your grace, it is sufficient. May we continue to grow in this together as a community and as followers of you. God, we thank you for this. We pray in your son's name. Amen.